Welcome to the Rabbitohs Top 4 Podcast. Proudly presented by What If, official travel and pathways partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Here are your hosts, Mark Ellison, Shannon Donato and Jeremy Monahan. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Rabbitohs Top 4 Podcast, powered by Audio-Technica and proudly presented by What If. What If has you covered for accommodation, flights, car hire and more. So if you're looking for a holiday, travelling for business or you need to get to the next game, visit whatif.com slash Rabbitohs. What If, it's Aussie for travel. My name's Jeremy Monaghan, I'm the media manager here at the South Sydney Rabbitohs and I'd like to welcome my co-host Mark Ellison and Shannon Donato. How are you, hello? Very well, Jez. How are you, mate? I'm uh, well. What what week are we up to now for the This podcast? is episode number 14. Yeah, I thought you'd be able to memorise the introduction <laughs> by now, mate. You've, you've read it. I, thought, I think I brought it up in episode two, but yeah, let's, yeah. let's try and work on that, Jess. All right, I'll Although work. you're doing work. a great job. I love the dulcet tones. I'll work on it for next week. <laughs> Let's hope I remember they're called What If. <laughs> maybe, maybe you could do it next week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, look, I've got enough work on this show as it is, Shannon. <laughs> Very good. How are you, Shannon? I'm really well, thank you, Jerry. After a great weekend uh, in Dubbo, the the result, of course, wasn't what we wanted, but uh, engaging with the community out there was uh, fantastically successful for the entire club and, and the Rabbitohs uh, family. Beautiful. Well, let's get stuck into it. What's something that you've learnt this week? We'll start with you, Shannon. I've learnt that losing isn't much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we were eight and two, and you know I think we were travelling really, really well. Uh, we had one hiccup, one team in, uh, against the Storm, but besides that, we hadn't lost any other games besides to the Storm, and uh, you know we're going really well. But maybe it's just a you know reality check for the team and recalibration. And the good thing is it's only you know we're in the first half of the year, so uh, still got a long way to go before the whips start cracking and and get into the the real competition. But uh, yeah, losing in such a way to the Panthers wasn't much fun. No, not at all. What about you, Ella? Yeah, what did you learn this I'd week? I'd agree with that, with Shannon, what you said about, about the losing. What I've learned is that, you know, every, everyone within the organisation has sort of sat, sat back and had a look at it. And one of my takes on it is that I've learned how important having a consistent playing group on the field, week in, week out, mm. makes to your performance. And, I mean, you look at Penrith. I mean, they haven't had many injuries. They had one or two changes on the weekend, but not holus bolus changes. Like, you make one or two changes, you can get by. Um, I'm coming back from a positive point of view on our performances so far. Like, we, our spine hasn't played together for four weeks. Cody Walker has played fullback the last four weeks. There was no Luttrell. Um, so Cody comes back in the first line. There's been no Cameron, Cameron Murray for three. Campbell Graham's come back for his first game. Josh Mansour came in for his first game. I'm not making excuses, but I'm just saying once we get our team out there and we can get a run without having to change it, uh, you know, most weeks we've been changing our team lately. So um, if I asked any of the viewers, any of our listeners, not viewers, any listeners or anyone within the club, you know, if we'd be happy with eight and three at this stage of the year, when the first ball was kicked off, we'd say yes, we would, we would be. Mm. Um, there's there's a gap between Penrith and the rest at the moment, um, and you know we, everyone's aware of that. But um, it's only May. Mm. Uh, there's an Origin series to come where they'll lose some of their players. 
Um, and we, you know, we just need that little bit of luck with injuries and things like that so we can get our team back together, mm. playing together, the same 17 for a nice run of five or six weeks. Mm. And we'll see the Rabbitohs. And mm. I love the fact that the media is writing us off and we know they come at us. They, they, they come at us, you know, when they think we're down, they want to put the slipper in, but that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. We've seen all that before um, and it doesn't bother us really. If anything, it, it ignites us. Mm. So um, that's what I've learned. We need we need to get our best team on the field as much as possible. And if we're making changes, we have one or two here and there rather than have to make, you know, holus bolus changes mm. as a result of certain things. Hello. Yeah, I look, I, I couldn't agree more. I think um, you'd rather have our core together for the six weeks leading into the final than the first six weeks of the season. So if you, you're ever going to have this disruption and this sort of a uh, little bit of inconsistency, you'd rather it now. Uh, you know, the one thing I know about Wayne Bennett coach size, having seen them for 25 years, is they're always peaking going into the finals. I can remember years gone by when we've, st- all, well, in lots of years, we started the year really well and then falling away. Well, I'd rather go the other way, and I'm, mm. I'm confident that's what we'll do. Yeah, um, go on. I remember in Wayne's first year with us, he came out and he said, um, in his view, the 24 or 25 rounds of the season are all the practice rounds to get things right. And he said, you just got to make sure that you collect enough wins to qualify at the end of the year. And then it's those four weeks that, that really, really matter. And as you say, you'd rather have all the the trips and the stumbles now than you would in those last few weeks leading into those finals, which could put you on a bit of an unsteady step going into those last four weeks. I was saying to someone the other day that Penrith and probably Melbourne are a level ahead of everyone else at the moment, but if you can turn in four good weeks at the end of the year, you win the comp. Spot on. And you look at Penrith last year. They were the benchmark last year, of course, but mm. they they stumbled at the wrong time of year. Yeah. They got stage fried on grand final night, yeah. the most important game. Nearly didn't make grand final yeah, night. Yeah, that's right. We you were know, two inches of a 40-20 away from beating them. If Adam Reynolds cuts his toenails on that game, he probably, <laughs> he probably, he probably gets the 40-20. If, si- if he wore the size eights instead of the size nines. I, I, sp- I spoke to him about that too, Shane. <laughs> No, you're right. Hygiene's important, Adam. Cut those toenails. Anyone that knows anything about rugby league knows you need to be in the top four. Yeah. And that's the goal. We're in the top four at the moment. Yep. Sure. Our performance was poor on the weekend. We know that. Yep. You know, internally we know there's probably a few reasons for it. We, we, Yeah, the players had a great review yesterday with the coaching staff. Very honest. Um, And not not a crisis meeting like that people report. I mean, it's just... How are we get how are we going to get better? What are we going to do to make sure we're back to our best? And the wheels are in motion now, and That's I'm sure it. you'll see a fantastic performance on Saturday night. I'm That's looking it. forward to it. Yeah, Bring on the wheels. Bring on the wheels. Me too. Couple of things this week. One that I didn't learn this week, but I wanted to mention, and then another thing where I have learnt quite a bit this week, being Indigenous around. The, I'll, I'll mention the first one first. Is just a reminder on the weekend of how good a bloke Cole Turner is. So he was out there working with South Cares. He's obviously not directly connected with the club anymore, but gave up his own time to go out to schools and community visits, coaching clinics, all sorts of things. South Cares saw over 3,000 kids out in Dubbo over the over five days leading up to the game. Phenomenal effort, and, and Big Dog was part of that. And then on game day, he did an interview with me on field. He was part of our kicking competition at halftime. He was shaking everyone's hand, signing autographs and all of this. and 
he's won a competition for this club. Like he's one of the modern day legends of this club for what he achieved with that team in 2014. And there's no airs, no graces about him. He's a country boy. He's so happy living back in Coonabarabra, and he's building his life with his um, partner and his and his child. And it's just an absolute credit to him how much he he still loves the club. And you could see he was a bit itchy when I was interviewing him. The boys were warming up behind him and you could see he was a bit itchy being back amongst yeah, them. And yep. and just the, an absolute champion bloke. Yeah, the unsung hero of our 2000 Premiership, you know. Um, Kyle Turner would just, he just did all the, the mopping up and the tidying up around the middle of the field. Um, and, you know, that that's that doesn't surprise me, Jez, on, mm. on his attitude on game day at mm. Dubbo. You know, he, he loves it out there. He loves the Rabbitohs. He understands the importance of kids and grassroots level mm. in rugby league. And I saw him in the dressing room after the game. He said, can you believe how, how hard Jez has worked me out here? <laughs> <laughs> He was, he was actually quite he was quite reluctant to go into the shed. He said, I don't want to be one of those blokes that hangs around. I said, mate, please go in there and put a smile on a few of those blokes' faces to see you because they're feeling like rubbish at the moment. I think a few of them would really appreciate seeing you in there, mate. And he, he went in. So I'm glad he went in and uh, saw a few of his old teammates that he held the trophy with. Yeah, well said, Jez. Yeah. I think, yeah. you know, um, obviously tough loss. But he is. He's a thoroughly decent fella, mm. Kyle. And, um, you know, I'm feeling your love for him too because just seeing his work out there, the whole community love him down there. Down there. He's actually from outside of town, Coonabarabran, mm. but spends a bit of time in Dubbo, well known and well respected and obviously still well loved by the Rabbitohs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tremendous person. Yeah. And, uh yeah, he's gonna be a great family man. I know he's you know, he just started the family off, but he'll be he'll be just as good as that as he is at everything else. Absolutely. And then the other thing that I did learn a lot about this week, it is Indigenous Round this week and one of the things that um I've said before how much I've learnt from our play our indigenous players and, and the people in South Cares about the indigenous culture because I was never taught any of it. Um, at school and I've grown a real appreciation for it over probably the last decade or so talking to these guys and this week with Indigenous Round they, they're highlighting um, a lot of the statistics around Indigenous people and, and some of the numbers that are coming out so 3% of Australians have an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander background yet they represent 12% of NRL players. What an achievement for those people to be four times the amount of of uh, ratio of people yep. in the population yeah. to representing themselves in in the NRL, it's phenomenal achievement for, yeah. for those people. So if you're Aboriginal, you're four hundred percent more likely to be making the NRL That's than right. an Aboriginal person. It's and we've seen, you know, you see blokes like Latrell and Cody, and you you can see why just mm. sublime, naturally gifted athletes, and yep. um, you know they they're they're a great addition to the NRL. In fact, they're, they're not an addition; they're an integral part yeah. of it. The, the NRL. Yeah. And I think it's, it's significant today we're talking about, you know, one of the topics, I don't want to get ahead of us, yeah. but it's the top uh, Indigenous players mm. of all time. And, yeah. and the big thing, when you're talking about the greatest or the top, they always have things that they can do that other people can't do. Yeah. And many Indigenous players, no matter if they're the best Indigenous players mm. or they're just normal Indigenous players in the NRL, mm. have things that, no other player can do. Yeah. They yep. just they have a just an innate skill set to them. Uh, you know, they have a remarkable ability to know where the football is going yeah. to be. 
Uh, and and you know, self confidence yeah, too. Yeah, you know? and it, goes, it goes back to the sort of backyard football we all yeah, talk about. Yeah. They, they, that's how they play, and, and and when that's on, they're the best to watch. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Some of the other stats, um, I was particularly talking to Cody Walker about it. Um, indigenous people have an expected lifespan eight years shorter than non-indigenous people. Um, in terms of um, health outcomes, and he was saying it's just a it's just a fact that Aboriginal people need to look after themselves better, or they're not going to live as long and as healthy a life as non-Indigenous people. It's just a a fact of their genetic makeup that that's how it is. So they they need that support to be able to um, live the same lives that other non-Indigenous Australians have. Twenty six percent unemployment rate amongst Indigenous people. Um, greater than non-Indigenous people, which just blows me away. Like, we're all people. We're all capable of of doing jobs and playing a role in society, and it's obvious that um, Indigenous people aren't getting the opportunities that other other people are. Yes. Um, Sadly, Jez, some of these um, deficits in, in terms of uh, numbers of, you know, health outcomes and other areas... One leads into the other, leads That's into right. the other. So, you know, the completion rates uh, of Aboriginal kids, are, sadly, are much lower than non-Aboriginal kids. So yeah. then, obviously, the, that affects their employment yeah. and their employability, yeah. which then affects their health. Yeah. And, you know, uh, that's why it's incumbent on all of us to, to try and right the, right the wrongs. One of, one of the, the scariest ones, and um, I don't know the exact numbers, so I don't, I don't want to say it, but um, was suicide rates in kids. is something like... Um, a third or something like that of all young kids that uh, of sorry Aboriginal kids that pass away is from suicide. It's it's just tragic, frightening, it absolutely it tragic. Um, I, I've I've got some Aboriginal friends, in, including Alicia at South Care, the general manager, and I hear her use the expression of trying to walk in both worlds. Yeah, you know, they've, they, they, some Aboriginal families. Uh, particularly in the regional communities, are brought up strongly with culture, mm. and and some aren't, and some are trying to. Walk in both worlds. Mm. It's expected to, um, you know, be authentic and true to their culture, but then they're expected to, you know, um, mm. you know, live to the white man's mm. norms as well. And it must be really those kids, particularly at your teenage years, when you're trying to find your sense of identity. That yeah. must be really, really difficult yeah. for them, confusing for them, and unfortunately, we're losing yeah. way too many of them. And as I've said, I've never lived in that world. I've never lived in a world of prejudice or not having advantages that other other people do. So I find it really hard to relate to it, but I'm just stunned by some of those numbers. And so I hope other people are too, that it shocks them into wanting to know more about it and how they can help it. And one of the points I made to Cody this week, because he's one of the, the spokespeople for Indigenous players amongst the game, he, um, I said to him, when you're talking to the media, I said, I'd be saying something like, it's fantastic that the NRL does this every year, that it highlights all these things in Indigenous round for that week a year, but we need to be thinking about it and actioning it 52 weeks a year. Yep. Not yep. just the one week. And now we can highlight it this week because everyone's got the attention on the Indigenous um, society and Indigenous players within the NRL. And I know the NBL have got their Indigenous round this week. And uh, we're actually recording on Wednesday, which is the National Sorry Day. So there's all these highlighted events during the week, but it needs to be a 52-week-a-year exercise and thought process to turn these things around. It can't be done in one 50-second of a year. 
That's one right. week a year. And I'm proud to say our club, through the work we do with South Cares, is doing that. They're working with Indigenous kids to make sure they finish their HSC. You know, we've got the NCAP program, the New Careers for Aboriginal People, helped over over the last three years help 400 uh, long-term unemployed Aboriginal people into employment. And as I said, that affects their health and everything else. That's transformational for those families. For 400 families who have had long, been affected by long-term unemployment, uh, to be helped into employment, that changes the outcome for not only that person who's employed, but their entire family yeah. and, and those in the orbit around them. So um, I'm really proud of the fact that um, South Cares are doing that year round, day in, day out, doing fantastic work supporting the Indigenous community. But as you said, this is this round is a chance to highlight those deficits and make us all reflect upon yeah. what we can do and how we can do it better. And hopefully inspire yeah, people to take well, action. Yeah, yeah. yeah the... the, the Highlighting it is great, which we do, and we mm. are doing, you know, through South Cares, you know, actioning things to improve it. And, it, you know, it's for higher authorities than us to be to making sure this happens. Mm. And, you know, obviously there's there's help out there for, mm. you know, for people, you know, the organisations who want to get involved. So, mm. yeah, we, we, yeah, it's you're quite right, Jess, because it, it's something that needs improving. Yeah, and big it, time. It's, it's not going to change... Just as you say, by one week a year, mm. it's something that needs to be mm. done consistently, mm. and people need to be persistent in their approach to it. That's it. What a serious start to the show today, gents. I know we've been oh, speaking yeah, football. Yeah, yeah. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get onto our uh, onto our first topic. And as uh, prefaced earlier by Ello, it's the top four Indigenous players that you've seen or played with o- over the years. We'll start with you, Ello. Um, I'm going to say. I'm not going to go about players I've played with because I've mentioned some of them before mm. in Paul Roberts. Uh, he he was probably one of the, the best Indigenous players I played mm. with, with, with the you know, array of skill he had. And um, and and to be fair with Paul, he was quite a, a sizable lad for an Indigenous player, mm. you know, particularly back back when we played in, in the 80s and 90s. Mm. But, you know, going away from that, I think um, I have to say Greg Inglis is the, the greatest Indigenous player that I've ever seen. Mm. Um, and when we say greatest, I know that's not the term, but I'm going to say greatest. Greatest to me is players that can do things that are outside the norm. Yeah. You know, and, and we've, we've spoken about before with the tries he scored, the one in the centenary test. But he, Greg had an amazing ability to, to when he was playing fullback for us, to run the ball back. No, you know, no one could stop him. Yeah. No one could stop. Well, they might stop him, but then he'd just push them off like flies to get up and play the ball, and if they're hanging on, he'd get a penalty for mm. us. Now, um, and his penalties weren't milked. Mm. They, they were gained. Yeah. You know, and that, that was an enormous uh, advantage that we had in that, in that era, mm. having Greg do that. And we, we've spoken about his defence before. You know, he's crossed over yeah. palm. But the other thing, Greg Inglis in the open, watching him run, you know, if anyone in the game gets people to stand up and yeah. get off their seat when he's in the clear, he was one of the greatest yeah. of all time that I've yeah. ever seen. Um, and, you know, it, we were just so fortunate to have him at our club. Yeah. Uh, he, in know, his prime. In too. his prime. Yeah. And a lovely guy. A lovely guy to go with it. Yeah. Which always helps. Um, yeah. You know, as, as we say in our game, we don't meet, don't meet many guys that no. Uh, you know, no good, but he was one, he's one of the gentlemen of the yeah. game that I knew. Um, one of the things with Greggy too, we talk about, always talk about the tries he scored and everything that he did with the ball in hand or making tackles, but 
towards the end of his career too, when he was struggling a bit um, with his injuries and, and aging, he became the greatest decoy runner in the comp. <laughs> well, he did because he made a career of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> he would attract when he'd loop out to that um, out to that left hand side. He'd attract three or defend four defenders on his own. Like, I don't want to um, disrespect someone like Darius Boyd, but Darius Boyd's career was made on Greg Inglis. Like, GI is the number one origin try scorer, and I think number two is Darius Boyd, all down the left-hand edge of uh, for Queensland, where Greg would either give the offload to, to Darius or the ball would go behind GI after he's attracted three or four defenders. Yep. And it's the same with anyone that's played left wing for us. Alex Johnston, great finisher, Scored 112 or something, 115 tries in his career, and I think he owes a lot of those to GI and what he was doing on the inside. Robert Jennings, when he was playing with us, I think was equal top try scorer or missed out by one try playing on our left wing yep. uh, when AJ was out injured. And just that left wing spot for South is like gold. Yeah. <laughs> well, as you say, you, you sum Greg Inglis up. He had the strength of a middle forward. Yeah. He had the pass of a halfback. Yeah. And Won a Clive Churchill medal yeah, at five eight. He was yeah, a well, Dalian five I mean. eight. And he had, yeah. he had the speed <laughs> of an Olympic, yeah, sprinter. Yeah, and he had and the decoy running skills of Mark. Yeah, Ellis. there you go. Ella <laughs> 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 used to sell more dummies than a chemist. <laughs> <laughs> he was selling them, you were spitting them. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, I yeah. just had to bring some humour back. We're getting too deep here, guys. Remember what this show's all about. That's it. That's it. So, yeah, so Greg, Greg's a one, an, another one for me. I've mentioned before, Arthur Beetson. Yeah. I was only a kid watching him play, but he was a different front rower than, than most. You know, mm. at his prime, he, he was quick. He used to be a centre, I think, when he first came into, into grade football. He had offloading skill. He had, um, you know, he was quick for his size. But the best thing you could see, you, I didn't know I was only a kid, but you look back, he was a leader. He was a leader of men, mm. you know. And, um, you know, he, in his culture, he's obviously been a leader. And, you know, you speak, even after the game, when he got involved in recruitment and that for the Roosters and he coached at the Sharks and things like that. Yep. He just had a remarkable personality and talent to be able to, you know, people would gravitate towards him. And, um, you know, that, that was a great sign of, of a great man. And, and, you know, he was doing things in the game as a front row before others did them. You Hello, know? Can I say, and I don't want to embarrass you, but a lot of similar traits in that he was a skillful forward when it, when it wasn't that popular post-football. Um, he went into sort of recruitment and, and uh, managing the operational side of football. But I think what you mo- both most have in common is your love of pies, actually. I, reckon, <laughs> <laughs> I can see a lot of Artie Beats near you, so I can see why you, you nominated him as one of, your, uh, one of your top ones. Well done. Very good. I like that. Very I'm good. just going to let them add up today, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll come with a late barrage <laughs> and just destroy you. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, but a great... Um, Another player who who I played against, and you know, Cliff Lyons was just mm. a, probably the type of player that I love watching because I you know I like as you said a bit of skill. I used to like playing with skill, and that he he had the light. He, he you talk about uh, Greg Inglis making 
Darius Boyd. I mean, Cliff Lyons went a long way to making the Beaver Mendy's career as well. But not, not taking nothing away from the Beaver. Mm. He'd be the first one to tell you. He was a great player also, but Cliff Lyons just had the skill. He could bob up anywhere, and he had that sense of backyard football, mm. playing what was in front of him. He didn't need the structures and that. He, he'd play all over the field. There was no left or right for Cliff Lyons. Mm. Yep. You know, he played wherever he wanted and wherever the football was. And, yeah. and it goes back to... God bless his soul. The great Bob Fulton was his coach when he was mm. playing there, and you know what a loss to the game, a loss to his family. You know this week, but yeah. but Cliffy was coached by by Bozo for mm. much of his career, and it's a credit to Bozo that he could see that in a time where the game was becoming very structured. Yes, that he just let Cliffy, and that's why they were so hard to beat. Yeah, because they weren't doing what everyone else was doing. They were just playing their own brand of football, mm. yep. which was great to watch. Hello, yeah, you, you know, we've spoken about so many of those great um, Aboriginal traits as players that they've got, and Cliffy Lyons had all of those, the instinct, the heads-up, skillful football. But one of the things that's uh, relatively common with um, Aboriginal players is the longevity of their career, yes. how old they can play to. And mm. like Cliffy played until he's 64, and that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's still, still playing. playing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, like he was seriously playing in in his uh, mid to late forties in the in the A grade competition. Yeah. Still may be, and uh, you know, even he was playing great NRL footy, uh, well into his thirties. Mm. And and the reason he does it because of his love of the game. Yeah, and his ability to you know to keep producing on yeah. the big stage. And and he was just he used to deceive opposition, yeah. you know, defences. Uh, do you see similarities between Cliff Lyons and Cody Walker? I do in some ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. C- Cody, I think Cliff created more for others, whereas Cody can do that. But Cody creates for himself probably yeah. probably in a different way than Cliff could. Um, maybe Cody's just slightly quicker. Yeah. You know? Um, Doesn't yeah. smoke as many bungers at <laughs> half time. <laughs> Paddy and Selma don't smoke as many bangers at half-time as Cliffy I Lyons. must say, it was, defence was different back then when Cliffy was playing, though. Yeah. So the defence wasn't as well drilled as what it is now. So yeah. for Cody to be able to make his own way through defences like he does, yeah, um, yeah, that, that's, that's something I think that is unique to Cody. Mm. They have a lot of... You know, just that drifting across field and dummy, mm. and just, just Cody's a great deceiver too. Mm. You know, of, of defenses and that. But um, yeah, yeah, I see similarities, but I think their greatest attributes are slightly different. Yep. One of the great Very things good. I love about Cody's game is his first instinct is always to take the line mm. on himself. Mm. And then what will happen is if they come in and clump, on him, clump in on him, that creates the opportunity for mm. someone else. And uh, I remember an old coach of ours, he coached here at the Rabbitohs, John Lang, saying, if that's your first instinct, it'll always be your right one because the the instinct to pass when you've got three defenders on you will just come to you naturally. Mm. But take on the line, and Cody's got that in spades. Mm. And that's why he creates so many opportunities for himself, but they also open up for his colleagues. Yeah, and he makes a lot of those opportunities opportunities for himself happen. Yes. A bit, yeah, you know, unlike you when you used to get out of dummy half, <laughs> look for something and then go, oh, shit. On the front row, all the front row. You ever see the front rows that played with Shannon? Yeah. Broken noses, broken jaws, <laughs> teeth missing. Oh, there's nothing for me. There's nothing for me. <laughs> hey, don't worry about that. Speaking about broken jaws and chipped teeth, you keep going. And you, you <laughs> I thought this was a family show. Yes, yeah. did I. 
<laughs> I mean, he can only take so much. He's, a bit, he's a bit feisty this morning. He hasn't had his four bacon and egg rolls yet. That's why. <laughs> only one short. Yeah. I'm, I'm angry. <laughs> he's angry. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, the last one for me, and I think Jonathan Thurston. Yeah. Um, you know, just had all the skills. Yeah. Um, plus, he was a goal kicker on top of that, which is an extra string to his bow. But. Mm. Um, you you look at all those players and you have a look how significant they were in their eras at their clubs. Mm. How they were the the players that you know every every team has a player that if he's not playing, their win percentage goes down. Yeah, those players: Greg Inglis, Arthur Beetson, Cliff Lyons, and Jonathan Thurston. Yeah, all had yeah. that about them. Yeah, if they didn't play. The odds of their team winning mm. d- diminished mm. re- remarkably, not yeah. just a little bit, but a lot. Yeah. Ironically, the teams I played in, I had the exact opposite effect. So. <laughs> <laughs> when I got named, he's bagging himself the, the, now. The I'm going to stop. It just now. sounded like fun with you two. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd jump in. If you can't beat them, join them, Shannon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good. they're my four. Excellent. My, excellent. Four excellent players. I'm disappointed we didn't get your six players as usual. <laughs> That's well, you right. got, I told you about Paul Roberts, but yeah, I remember yeah, right. the great man. Jess, why don't we go with you? Because uh, you know you're a great um, student of the game. You've been very close to the game for a long time. Yeah. So let's let's hear yours. Does so it mean you haven't done any research this week? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Uh, I only had a couple different um, to LA. Just some different ideas. One was David Peachy. The way he used to glide across the ground with those long limbs, everyone else would take three or four paces to cover 10 metres. He'd take one, maybe two. He'd just be bounding up the field and the big swerve that he had on him, it was just beautiful to watch. And seeing him in full flight was similar to seeing Greggy in full flight, even though they had different running styles. It was just beautiful to watch him take off. And and a lot of that was mainly when he was playing at the Sharks. But, geez, it was a pleasure to work with him here at the Rabbitohs, and he was someone that I bumped into at, at Dubbo. Oh, did you? On the weekend, yeah. Yeah, I saw him yeah. out there too. Well, where, at the game? Yeah, yeah, at yeah, the yeah, game. Yeah. And I tell you what, he, the smile was back. It was He was beaming. Yeah. He was just so happy to be there. And everyone was there getting autographs and photos of him, and I thought, that's the peach. That's yeah, the fantastic. peach right there. It was great to I was, see I was fortunate to be the assistant coach here when Peach played, and... Yeah. and you know, we we were a team that was was really struggling and trying mm. to rebuild, and he brought back a professionalism to the club that wasn't there at that stage. Like mm. getting players to do extras after training. Mm. We they when training used to finish, they'd all just the boys would go off because they thought, oh, we're done. Mm. You know? and, and some of them weren't aspiring to to get too much better, unfortunately, because that's 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 where we were at that stage. Mm. But Peach got them back out on the field and used to work on their little skills together mm. and stuff like that. And, you know, it was it was no coincidence that, you know, we made the first playoff series mm. that South had made since 89 mm. with, with David Pucci being back there. Yeah, that's true. That's true, yeah. Be- beautiful player and a, a champion fella. And I was so uh, happy to see him there on Sunday at it at Dubbo. Another one that I had, one of the current day players, Latrell Mitchell. So I've spoken about it before. He's a, a triple threat with his speed, his power and his skill. And he gets so many comparisons, particularly in the media, to GI, I think because they're both Indigenous footballers with similar powerful builds and playing the same position. But I've said it before, I see so much of John Sutton in, in Latrell. And I'm sure a lot of what Sutto does at training with him is rubbing off on Latrell because I used to call Sutton the magician. Some of the things he could do with the ball in his hands were just 
amazing, and you can see that with Luttrell now. That that's a real part of his game, and um, it's so good to see him so happy. He's really settled at the club. He's got his family around him. Yesterday, saw him in uh, in here, and the the boys were doing a a signing session for sponsors jerseys and he was up there with his daughter and he was pointing out the different names on the jersey and all that sort of stuff and it's just uh, he's a great family man he's a great fella and he's got all of his best football in front of him he's 23 years of age Amazing. I was about to say that Jez I, I was going to put him in and I left him mm. out for that reason I thought he has the pen- potential mm. to be the best of them all yeah you know he's 23 uh, he's he's enjoying the game and loving it. Yeah. Um, he's an incredible competitor. Mm. Um, he he knows where what he wants to do in his life. Mm. He knows what he expects out of rugby league. Yeah. Um, and he has the ability to be the best of all. Yeah. I think. What about on the weekend out in Dubbo? We'd been beaten by near on fifty points. Everyone was so disappointed. He spent nearly an hour walking around the fence, signing autographs and getting photos with the locals. Being a country boy himself, he understood how important it was yep. to make sure you interact with with the fans of the game. And we actually had to go out and almost literally drag him back inside because we had to get – well, half half the squad had to get on a plane. Mm, so yeah. we had to get moving. Yes. Um, so we actually had to bring him in and, and he was – not upset, but he was—he sort of felt like he'd let people down that he hadn't got around to everybody yep. around the fence, and it's just that's the sort of bloke he is. He is. He does that everywhere he goes. Yeah. He's just always so generous with his time, and yep. he knows what it means to to kids, and not just kids, but just fans and lovers of rugby league, yeah. and particularly the Rabbitohs. He's uh, he's such a great ambassador for our game. People talk about him being uh, an ambassador and a spokesman for Aboriginal people. He might be, and he is, and he does a good job of that, but he's a great ambassador for our game. Yeah. He just, you know, always uh, thinking of the supporters and, yeah. and giving back. Yeah. Over to you, Shannon. Okay. Well, my first one is a, is a walk down memory lane. I don't know whether LA coached this guy, but he's one of the most naturally gifted footballers I've ever seen, and no, I'm not talking about myself. <laughs> talking, although I could have been. Um, no, I, I, I'm talking about Lee Hookie. You're, you're also I Italian, did. not, oh, not that's Aboriginal. Right. That's right, yes. Very true. I coached, that is true. I coached Lee Hookie in the, in the Junior Bunnies. He's his first ever team he played for at the Rabbitohs, and in that team was uh, Willie Peters. Yes. Uh, Craig Wing. Yes. Um, yeah, there, there's a and, – and obviously Lee. Uh, there, yep. there was a – yeah, it was a, a good little team. Did you win it? Oh, it was only – you only played three – you played against three different clubs. Okay. But we, we went down to Illawarra one night and so played – So that's a no jazz, by yeah, the way. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, no, we won our <laughs> – we did for the direct won, answer to we, a direct question. <laughs> we won our three games. Oh, okay. You know, and as you know, uh, Shannon, if you know anything about rugby league – <laughs> You're speaking to the wrong bloke, hello. At, at 14 years of age, Shannon, it's more about development than yes. just winning, okay? Yes. So we'll see. But Shannon, we did win the three games. No, right? Shannon was still run. playing in the under-11s when he was 14. So. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to your story, LA. You anyway, yeah, so went, went, down, went down to Illawarra and played against a team that had Jason Roll, Sean Tibbins, uh, Matthew Head and yep. players like that. So it was, it was a really good good uh, test for them. They... they they won well, and yeah, yeah he was he was, he had remarkable skill. Yes, Lee, yeah, you know he uh, he had a that, he had just a natural body swerve. Yes. I don't know how to explain it. But yeah. Yeah, anyway, like a you, shimmy. You talk, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah like a more, shimmy with yeah, yeah. He could step off both feet. Um, he also had a good fend. Um, not unlike a Latrell build when he when yeah. he was younger. Um, he was just a naturally 
gifted footballer league. South Juniors ruined through out of the streets of Waterloo and Redfern and um I, unfortunately, I don't think he lived up to his full potential. Like, mm. I honestly think he was good enough to one day have played for Australia and, and Origin. But played lots of first grade and, and played very well. So, Leo Hookie is one of my players. <laughs> he, he used to call me Deep End was his nickname for him because he said whenever I asked him to do media interviews, I was throwing him in the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's quite nice for some yeah. of the guys <laughs> <laughs> oh, Well, I, I think it was Deep End. It sounded like Deep End. <laughs> That's nice of the names I call you, I can tell you, Jess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll keep it civil. Um, Lou Hookie is my first. My second uh, is another guy who played here at the Rabbitohs. Played at a couple of clubs. He's a great Reese Wester. Still here doing uh, great work for South Cares, of course. But the explosive speed. I've never seen anybody with explosive... People talk about Steve Renoff and those guys, and they were all fast, but just from zero to 100... And we talk about Jimmy the Jet now. I would like to see Jimmy the Jet against Reese in his prime. I just remember there'd be just half a gap, someone passing the ball. Bang, he'd be through it, and not, they just wouldn't even get a hand to him. He was mm. that quick. And once he got into open space, I used to go back and... Uh, stand, get ready for the kickoff because I knew it was a try and also because I was too lazy to chase and support. <laughs> but, you know, Reese Wesser was just an excitement machine and, um, as I said, still doing great work for South Cares and still a fantastic fella. I've got a, I've got a funny story about Reese. I think I may have told it before, but for those that haven't been listening since the start, so we used to have a touch footy team in the office where we'd go and play down at Queen's Park on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday night or something, and, and Reese agreed to play, and we're all so excited. We're thinking, we're not going to get beat here. So we actually called the team Get the Ball to Reese. Oh, yes. <laughs> that was the name of the team, Get the Ball to Reese. <laughs> he turned up for one game. <laughs> but I remember the fear in the opposition's eyes when they noticed yeah. Reese Wesson because he wasn't long retired then. Yeah. Even and, now, uh, he's still in great nick, isn't he? He's in great nick now. Yeah. He's, he's lost a bit of weight lately. He's been making concerted effort to get back into his training, and he's okay. looking... A million bucks. I'm going to say hundred bucks. A million bucks. Yeah, right. Um, but he played one game in the team named after him, and <laughs> we, <laughs> it was seven all going into the last couple of minutes, and I was absolutely buggered in this game because I think we might have had one female reserve, so there were no male reserves. So I was in my usual position out on the wing, bludging out on the wing. <laughs> Reese took off up the middle of the field and I could see the gap open up in front of him and I thought, oh, is anyone going to go with him? So I've just run as fast as I can and Reese's thrown the big left-to-right pass out to me. I had no one in front of me and unfortunately Reese didn't realise that I wasn't as quick as Reese. <laughs> <laughs> and it sailed past my fingertips uh, out in front of me. <laughs> Seven all finish. Uh, Imagine geez. that story. Winning a game uh, off, off yeah, Reese Wesser yes. pass. I could have told it forever. Now I'm telling about it in my uh, failures. You talk about that. That's, and that's the highlight of your career. The, uh, the, uh, you talk about the fear in the opposition eyes uh, when he came turn up to play. The only thing greater than the fear was the fear the next week in your eyes when he didn't turn up to play. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the 50 kilo girl defending opposite me when I was out on the wing playing like Brett Plowman uh, or Ross Harrington. <laughs> One of the big wingers. So it's obviously a mixed team. <laughs> it was yeah. a mixed team, yes. A mixed team. That's why Jez got to play with the men. Yeah. All righty. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so we've got Lee Do we need to talk about Shannon's efforts in, in touch football teams at work? No, we don't. Two we don't. torn hammies in one game. Hang on. <laughs> on, the, on the same league. <laughs> 
you blokes are hard. Oh. <laughs> Where's Jan Earl? I need some <laughs> from self-esteem. She doesn't like you either, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's confidential. <laughs> I was going to ring my mum, but she said the same thing. <laughs> Oh, very good. Uh, <laughs> All right, so we've got Lee Hooky, Reese Wesson. No self-esteem for me. And uh, we spoke about Peach. Peach was my third, of course, yeah. a sublime athlete. So we'll skip over Peach and we'll go to my fourth. This is the only one who didn't play for the Rabbitohs, but I couldn't leave him out. Preston Campbell. Just a great little player. Uh, you know, the epitome of heads-up football, you know. Presto would just... He'd bounce around like a like a pinball just off the fenders and just, you know, do anything that came to mind and it would just nine out of tens be right. It'd be off the top of his head. And he was just a fantastic player to play around and a fantastic fella, um, Presto, and still doing good work in the community up there on the Gold Coast and, and beyond. But Presto, um, pretty sure he won a Dully M Player of the Year one year when he was... Yep, I um, think he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. yeah. I mean, people forget just how good a player... To win the Dully M... Uh, player of the year is no mean feat. Preston had some fantastic careers and he was a little bit like Cody in that um, he didn't come to first grade straight away and it didn't come, you know, in his late teens or early 20s. It was a bit later. He had to battle around at a few clubs and up at the Gold Coast and then eventually Langy, Johnny Lang was the one that gave him a start, saw the potential and he played some great footy at the Sharks and then when Langy left the Sharks, he didn't play such great footy. Obviously, he didn't gel with the coaching staff or whatever was happening at the Sharks. So Lengy brought him across to, to Penrith and he just clicked in the gear yeah. and was a big part of the reason why the Panthers won the grand final yeah. in 2003. So a Dally M winner, grand final winner, an instrumental part in that grand final win. So And also, he, mate, he had to overcome like the size. He's only a little fella. Tiny. Mm. And, and had to be tough because, I mean... He, he wasn't, he'd run straight through the middle of the pack and yep. he, he'd turn up anywhere. You know, it didn't worry him. He, you know, he was fearless. Yes, he was fearless. People talk about people being all heart. He was the epitome of all heart on the football field and off the football field. He actually would just put his emotions right out there when he talks to kids and talk about his trials and tribulations and the great things that have happened to him. He, he would just give all of himself and that's, that's why I've always had a soft spot for Preston. Mm. He's just literally all heart on and off the field. Yeah. So my four are Lee Hooky, Reese Wesser, uh, David Peachy and Preston Campbell for... Great Indigenous players. Very good and being... I like how they've all been from different eras. Yes. yes. You know, which just goes to show how how significant a part Indigenous players have had in their yeah. game. Yes. And who knows which, which players will stand up this week because we know it means a lot to all the players, but particularly the Indigenous boys, to be highlighting their culture and wearing the special jerseys. And our guys are wearing special boots this week, and yep. it really highlights their culture. And you just you never know which um, young Indigenous player will stand up and become the star. Good this point, Jez. I, I remember. I don't think it was last year. I think it was the year before. There was an Indigenous round where all. All of our tries were scored by Aboriginal players. I yes. think it was 2019, was it, against yeah, the Yeah, I think the only player that didn't score that day might have been Dane Gagai, but every other Indigenous player scored. Yep, so they're obviously up for the game. Yeah. Obviously means a lot to the boys, and hope they can put in a blinder again this weekend. Yeah, uh, very good. All right, that was a great, uh, great chat there. We will be back in just a moment. Now, the Rabbitohs Merchandise Store, it's located down at the Heffron Park Tennis Centre on Bunurong Road in Maroubra. And if you can't make it down there, you can always shop online at shop.rabbitohs.com.au. But I think the shop's 
on the move soon, isn't it, Shannon? It will be. We can't quite announce it yet, Jess. Yep. But, yeah, it's down there. So so get down there. So shut up, Jess. <laughs> well, for anyone... That, that was a polite... Uh, <laughs> but uh, just so you know, and obviously you haven't, for anyone that's listened to the latest episode of Rabbitohs Radio, they've let everyone know oh, where have it's going to be. So. Oh, right, okay. I just didn't want to confuse people, really, but that's yeah. okay. If the, cat, the cat's out the bag, yes, it will be moving to, to South Juniors. But I'll still be there for another couple of weeks, yep. and I encourage everybody to get down there. Um, we've had a lot of stock just recently land back in. We've the indigenous jerseys are now in stock, but they're selling fast. And yeah. we're limited edition. We got a thousand of those, and they are selling quick. And so, if you want one of those, I encourage you to get down to Heffron Park. And we also, speaking of Heffron Park, the new Heffron Centre where we're building our new um, the fifty eight million dollar Heffron Centre and our high performance centre is an integral mm. part of that. That's recently been uh, announced. The mm. the schematics and the designs of that have been announced for our members, and it's uh that's going to be our new um, HQ. Yeah, it looked looked fantastic when we release that this week and looking forward to seeing the the bricks actually hitting the turf and 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 it getting built um i think it's set to kick off in august potentially the the build ready for the 2023 pre-season which would be uh, absolutely fantastic so geez that was quick what was that? Well, just getting the high performance centre built, you know, just come around like that. Ooh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, we weren't talking about it back in 2010 or something. Where, where's the Chinese restaurant? Hello, was playing. Hello, was playing SG Ball when we announced it. <laughs> Oh, very good. Uh, make sure you head down to uh, Heffron Park, the tennis centre there, and visit the guys in the shop, or you can shop online at shop.rabbitos.com.au. Now, there's obviously a lot of controversy at the moment about rule changes and rule interpretations and the way uh, high tackles and crusher tackles and these sorts of things are being punished at the moment. We saw last night um, a couple of the Dirty Chooks players go down to the judiciary and um, predictably got rubbed out for long periods of time. Um, Victor Radley looking at five weeks on the sideline. Angus Crichton a couple of weeks. It's cost them both their their origin um, positions and um, it's amazing how quickly this was implemented by the NRL and the effect that this rule change is having on the game. So I thought our next top four topic can be the top four rule changes that have had significant impacts on the game. So we might um, kick off with yours, Shannon. Okay. Um, the one that had a really big impact into the speed of the game um, was the interchange players, just allowing interchange players. Mm. They've, they've played around with the numbers, but the fact that back in the day, everyone played reserve grade and you'd only go on in first grade if somebody got injured. Mm. There was no such thing as a as an interchange, but that certainly came in and I was very thankful. I mean, I, I started to get to play some first grade because of interchange players and, mm. and, it, and it meant that I didn't have to stay out there for 80 minutes. I was also very <laughs> thankful. It sort of helped make my not-so-illustrious career, but... Um, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> The interchange. Well, it's going to be very nasty. Yeah. I'm just beating, beating you to the punch. I want to take some sting out of the tail, hello. So, but the interchange was great for players like um, myself and and um, you know, particularly the big boys. You know, it allowed them to get a blow. I, some argue that it took the um, you know for the little guys. It took took something away from them because they used to wait for the big guys to fatigue mm. and then they would take take on the line a little bit. Mm. But when the big blokes got fatigued and they interchanged, that sort of took a bit of that out of the mm. game. But the interchange player play 
having interchange players, I think, revolutionised the game in, in that we could play at, a, at such a high speed and intensity mm. for a long time. So I think that was a was a critical rule. Um, another rule change that I think was people sort of forget in all this furor about head knocks and whatnot. It happened not long ago when Dave Smith rubbed out punching. Yeah, you know, punching was a very similar thing, and it was for the same reason. And you know, everyone's jumping up and down now. Oh, this is terrible! It's going to ruin the game. They said the same thing about punching. You know, we used to laugh at the AFL with the jersey pulls and all that kind of stuff. We do that stuff now, but it had to stop. You know, I, I don't. I, I can honestly say I played lots of games, and I don't remember too many without there being some punching. And mm. but when it stopped, it was okay, and it seemed seemed natural after that. So what, what the NRL was very good in that area in doing was that you went to the sin bin if you punch someone. That's mm. exactly what they're doing now. Yep. I think it might have taken a month to get it out of the game. Yep. It'll get it out of the game. Yes. Mm. No one no one, you know, no one wants to be sitting on the sideline for five weeks like Radley is. Mm. I mean we, we you know, um we had Latrell sit on the sideline yes. for four weeks. I mean, they seem to change the change the rules. Be, you know, they change it for him before they change it for everyone else. Mm. While they're looking at it, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like the way they've been consistent. Mm. I mean, they said we're going to do it. We're, we're going to do it mm. now. They're concerned, obviously, about the, the HIA part of it and the, the concussions down the track. They're also concerned about participation levels. I mean, and participation levels is the biggest worry for the game at mm. the moment. Absolutely, and. It's because young parents, particularly mothers, don't want their kids playing in a sport where they can get so severely injured. I mean, let, let's face it. When we started playing rugby league, Shannon, we didn't know, you know about head knocks and how they could affect you down the track. We're seeing evidence of it every day. Yep. I now see evidence evidence of it every Wednesday morning. The- <laughs> <laughs> I, I resemble that remark, Jess. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know you played so many games. Jess. <laughs> no, but seriously, it's 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 real. It's real, and we want our game to continue. There's been we're talking about all the different rule changes over the years. It changed. Used to be unlimited tackles. Came back to. Mm. To, to four tackles initially, now mm. to six. Interchange. I don't, I'm not stealing thunder, but mm. this is this is one of the big rule changes in the game that is going to help the longevity of the game yep. and in, ensure its existence. And we've got to go on with it. That, that's my opinion. And I say that now, you know, as I'm just a rugby, I love rugby league, as you know. And and it's, it's not about South Sydney. It's not about the Roosters. It's not about the Eels, it's about rugby league supporters mm. and it's about the game continuing mm. and they've, it's a good decision by the NRL because they know they see the problems if they keep it going as it is mm. and I applaud them for their actions overnight they've, they've supported they've supported the match review committee at, yep. at the panel and that's what needs to happen You weren't saying that four weeks ago No, no I wasn't because, <laughs> because it was because I, I must say it, they were different situations yes, four weeks they ago. Were. They yeah. were really different situations. You're right. It was, you know, it was and, a Rabbitohs player up there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it. Um, no, seriously, it's. But now we we accepted it. We didn't make a big fuss about it. We thought it was harsh on on Latrell, but but now at least they're consistent. We haven't seen players getting off for doing similar things. You're right. That's the that's all we want. Yeah. That's all we want. And I, I agree with you on every count there. One is like the punching, the players will learn very quickly. It might take two or three weeks, but 
they'll adapt. Two, if they're not really going to do it, do it properly. And that's what they're doing. They're supporting it with, at the judiciary and those kind of things. So just like punching, you know, about, you know, six months we're going to look back and say, yeah, I can't believe we allowed, you know, people to cop shoulder hot hits to the head. Our elbows have never been allowed to the head, but we're starting to protect the head more. People will just take it for granted like we do with punching now. Because a shoulder to the head can, you know, gives a lot more damage than a punch. Yes. Mm. Because of the force. Mm. Hello, you know mate, I know what a shoulder to the head can do. I've got no neck, so I've got two <laughs> shoulders to the head. And I'll tell you what, I've, I've got severe brain damage. And I think that's from putting up with you. But anyway, let me, <laughs> let me go. So well, got, There's been research done recently that bacon neck rolls can bring on early dementia. Is so. that right? Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, if you have one. <laughs> I mean, all sorts. Okay. <laughs> so the two real changes so far was the uh, interchange players, the punching. And then I've got two real changes in one here because they both happened on the same day, the 28th of March, 1971, just over 50 years ago. And the first one was the field goal going from two points to one point. We we all know, as Rabbitohs, we all know the reasons behind that. Eric Sims was just kicking them from everywhere and we were winning. That was during our sort of 67 to 71 where we played in five grand mm-hmm. finals and won four of them. So at the end of that, after being in five grand finals and Eric kicking us to all that success, the uh, NRL or the New South Wales Rugby League, as it was then, changed two points to one point, And that was on the 28th of March, 1971. So that was a really, really big rule change that certainly affected our club. Um, some may say was for the benefit of the game, but it certainly um, was detrimental to our club having such a great kicker in Eric Sims. We I still cr- went on and won a couple more comps, though. We did. We did. <laughs> we did. Well, no. In, yeah, I'm sure. 71. No, we didn't. 1970, win. it was reduced. I thought it was the 28th of March, 1971. Not according to my research. Well, well there you go. Oh, you know Can you two season. take this outside, please? It's <laughs> <laughs> getting a bit heated here. You know what? I'll, I'll, I, even, both even, I, don't, I, don't, I don't trust either of you. That's the problem. <laughs> in, in both the factual yeah. count and the potential fight, I've got my money on Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you must have looked at Wikipedia after me when I then changed Wikipedia to say the wrong date, just in yeah. case it tripped you I'll up. I'll back you. So, <laughs> anyway, the field goal certainly won. Yes. And then moving them from four tackles to six tackles yeah. is actually a big one because I think it allowed teams to attack a bit more, not having to just, you know, play our field and kick and, and become field about field position, you know, and the kicking duels and all that kind of stuff. It was actually able to use the ball a bit more because we had those two extra tackles. And uh, those rule changes, I believe, happened on the same date, whether yeah. 70, 71 or... You're, you're 70. probably right. You're um, probably right. But they happened on the same time. The two transformational changes that benefited the game and, um, you know... This theme came about because of the the controversial rule change coming in now, and I'm hoping that just like those two rule changes, uh, this one is for the benefit of the game. So as I like to do, I'll I'll summarise again. Uh, Interchange players punching the field goal from two points to one and four tackles to six are my four rule changes. One of the ones I had on my list just on that, the the tackles, I actually had the step before where it became limited tackles. Ah, yeah. So it was unlimited tackles and then the Dragons won 11 comp straight. They changed it to the four tackle rule and their run stopped because they just used to dominate possession and never let the other team have the ball. That's how they won 11 years straight. What the great Dragons and Rabbitoh teams of the Mm. years used to do. If if the t- other team kicked off, the, they would kick the ball back to them mm. and bash them. Mm. Yes. 
So they they want them to have the ball mm. for the first five and just rip into them. Mm. And then when they got the ball, they'd knock the the wind out of them, and then no one could handle them. Yes, that's what they. That's yeah. how they used to do it. Yeah. So it greatly affected the Dragons. It ended their run of eleven premierships. That that changed the limited tackle rule. Yes. So, what did you have, Ella? Oh look, all of those. I mean, there's been some great changes in the game, but. The the greatest one for me recently is the fact that the uh, corner post is no longer. Yeah, so I had that as one of mine too. I mean, it has just created so much, you know, so many highlights on on you know out of games. Some of the you know the the acrobatics and that that wingers do now, you know, um, you know, it's it's a real skill to be able to mm. score in that corner, and the fact that you can hit the corner mm. post now makes for better try. Yeah, that was eleven years ago, you know. Oh, I didn't know it was that yeah. long ago. Yeah, 2010 that came in. Is that right? It was driven by Andrew Voss. He was on it for many years. He His reasoning was is that how can you have something like that indicating where the sideline is or the in-goal area is that if someone gets tackled on it, it sits on an angle or yes. it often lies on the ground. Yep. And because it's there's no consistency as to where that pole is stands to indicate that that's the corner post line and you can't touch it. So yep. when blokes are getting tackled on and it's lying on the ground, blokes were flying over the, where the corner post should have been. Yes. And it was – so it wasn't a consistency in the rules. And the NRL eventually said, yep, makes sense. Let's take it out and look at the change it's made oh, yeah. for winners. It stops the kids running on the field after the game. <laughs> 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 also keeps Peters of Kensington very happy. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. That's going to take me to – one thing I think that the NRL should bring, and I've spoken about this many times before. Yes. Hello, could I just preface to say a nice word about our sponsors at Garlo Pies? Because I know, yeah. I know, <laughs> I know Ella, what Ella's about to say. And thank you, Garlo, for all your support. Now just block your ears for a second, please. <laughs> now, one of, the, one of the significant parts of our game in excitement is the 40-20, and now the, the 24. 24. Okay, so... We had Dean Hawkins. Yeah. one on the weekend. Yeah, he did. Yeah. It's a great effort. But the biggest problem our game has is that it's hard to decide if it actually... some You know, if it goes just across the, the junction of the sideline and the 20, the touch judges are too far back to actually see. Mm. What I've proposed before... you suggesting we have 12 touch judges on each sideline? <laughs> Suggesting you keep your mouth shut for a little bit longer, Jess. If you know what's good for you. I'm suggesting, I'm suggesting that we have a post there, similar to the, the corner post, that goes up probably about six foot high, right? Um, so that that signifies that is the area, you know, the junction of the 20-metre line and the sideline. Yep. Now, if the ball comes in front of it, it's obviously... Not a forty twenty. Yep. If the ball goes behind it, it's a forty twenty, and if it hits it, it's a forty twenty. Yep. Okay. Now, by having that there, you go to the you go to the technology and the bunker and that you can see which side the ball goes of that. All right. Now, if it hits it, it should light up like the 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 bales doing t twenty cricket. Okay. Just gives something for the crowd to get more yep. involved in as well. Now. 40, 20, 4 and 20 pies could sponsor it. So, <laughs> sorry, Gallo. But it doesn't even have to be that. But I just think it'd be a great uh, innovation for the game to bring that in. And, uh, you know, you get more players going to try to do it as well. 
Garlo could do some ambush marketing and invent a 40 and 20 pie. (laughs) Brought to you by Garlo's Pies. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Garlo's already got the sponsorship sold before before the rules come in. That's that's why I've been trying to smother it and crush it, Garlo. I've got your back, Sean. Don't worry about it, my man. No, but you know, I reckon that would that would revolutionise the game as well, and get get players more active to try and be kicking it, get the crowd involved, and yep. um, you know, because these these innovations in the game, you know, when your team kicks a forty, well, we saw it in the preliminary final last year. We missed by that much from yep. where Renault's foot was. Yeah, you know, that would have been a, a you know, significant yep. change in that game. Yep. Um, but I like it, anyway, Yeah, the other the other rule change. We we'll talk about the the number of tackles. The other one that's helped our game now with the interchange in that is the ten meter rule. Yep, we used to have five meter rule back in the day, and you know that was the game was different then. Mm. You know that was that started when there was unlimited tackles. Mm. So to, you know teams could have the ball for ten minutes back in those mm. days. So if players were running back ten meters, it would just be. Yeah, mm. Diabolical. Yeah. But that's changed the game. How it's changed the game, though, obviously it's separated the teams, but by giving that extra extra distance, it's made defences have to become more accountable mm. because having that extra distance just makes it too easy to attack if you're not defending properly. Yeah. So that was significant for the game um, in changes. Yeah. So that, that's just adding to the ones, ones you had there, yeah. Shannon. I only had one additional one on that, and it's golden point. Oh, yes. It was experimented with in, in Super League in 97 and uh, then it was introduced to the NRL in 2003. I love Golden Point. I know a lot of people don't like it, but I love it. I think it adds so much excitement to the game and we've had good results and bad results out of Golden Point, but it just there's the tension in the stadium when it's Golden Point and people say it's a field goal shootout, but if scores are locked at 18 all, it's a field goal shootout for the last five minutes of a regular time as well. I, yes. I agree with it in the... Uh yeah, you know, normal home and away mm. series. Mm. In playoff games, I think it should be extra time and a war of attrition. Yeah, well, that's that's my opinion. Yeah. That's fair. I, I just I well, don't think e- you should even extra time. I just love the fact that there's that extra period of time where you know there's going to be a winner. Yeah, yes. You know, there's there's you just someone's going to score, and it's not in our in our records. We've had four draws, but we've played seventeen golden point games. Yep. So it's not often that it does end up in a draw after that that period of time, but. Um, Oh, How know. many of those seventeen did we have? We won out. Of That's a good point. Seven, one seven, drawn four, lost six. Yes, yeah. yeah. So we've had mixed results with it, um, but I just remember some of the like one of the great wins, <laughs> and one of Willie Peters' greatest moments was when we beat the Tigers in Golden Point. He'd had about twelve field goal shots. He finally got the thirteenth one over, <laughs> and um, it was all because the the late great Kevy Freeman, who was Reggie oh, Rabbit yes. at one stage, he was the timekeeper that day. And Kevy liked a beer, and we all um, thought that maybe he'd had a couple um, before he'd had that 12 game. Twelve schooners by then, and, uh, and Golden Point was always two periods of five minutes. And Kevy just said, "Bugger that! We're just going to play 10. Oh, and right. so the game just rolled on, and after about eight minutes, everyone's like, "Where's this halftime siren? Where are you, Kevy? Why haven't you pressed the button?" And Willie just kept having shots of field goal. He eventually got one over, and we won the game. Uh, good on him. Good on him. <laughs> so yeah, that, that that was the only extra one that uh, that I had there. Going back to that uh, the the one point field goal, there was also the in- increase in points for tries too, from three to four. Yeah. Um, yep. And I think it's something that. Um, 
and I know you don't like talking about this sport, Elo, but rugby union could really learn from. They lifted their tries from four to five. All but right, we'll stop it there, Jess. We don't want to give them yeah, any ideas. But right. their, their field goals <laughs> and penalty three, goals yeah. are still worth three, which yeah. is more than a try. So really, rugby union's played on 50 metres of the field, and if you get within... Yes. reach of a penalty goal or a field goal, they're going to take it. Yeah. So it's something that they could learn from reducing the value of those points, but as usual, we're ahead of yeah. the game. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes. no, you, you're right there, Jeff. So, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, some good rule changes to reflect upon there, and who knows what the next one. Yeah, bring it on. That might I, be. Think, I think we, we went through all our rule changes there. They've made differences to the game as a spectacle. Yeah. The the real change has been made two weeks ago was made a difference to the game to protect players yes. from each other. Yeah. And I think that's where it's such a significant thing. And I think I think we'll look back, uh, you know, in, in 10, 20 years and mm. say, thank God that they did that then and we'll see the numbers in our game yeah. start to increase. Let's hope so anyway. Yeah. No, good point. Righto, we'll be back in just a moment. Now the Rabbitohs are back with home games for season 2021, which means you can get your corporate hospitality and game day experiences from the Rabbitohs. And of course, we're back out at Stadium Australia this Saturday night for the Indigenous round against the Eels. And there's a few games coming up at Stadium Australia over the next couple of months. So Shannon's perfect time to be able to jump in and have a night out with your mates or entertain some business clients. Absolutely. It's fantastic for both of those things, Jez. And well, even just the hardcore um, supporters get down and have some of those inner sanctum experiences now that the COVID restrictions are starting to ease across the NRL you know we've we've often got our corporate guests down watching the team warm up um, meeting with players meeting with injured players um, in their own suites all of those kind of things are available if you uh, work with the Rabbitohs and uh, take on some of our corporate hospitality. Yeah, very good. So make sure you jump on corporate.rabbitohs.com.au to check out all the options there. Now, our trivia question from last week was, uh, playing out in Dubbo, how many first-grade games did Les Davidson play for South Sydney? Now, the hint was that he played eight seasons with us between 1983 and 1990. Of course, he had the time at the Sharks, but we're not worried about his time at the Sharks, so we're only worried about his time at the Rabbitohs. You can tell him that, Jez. Yeah. <laughs> I had him in the corporate room out there and I was having a few heckles with him and I saw his eyes starting to squint a little bit and I thought, I better ease up here. Well, what, what's your guess? Uh, 122. Oh. I'm going with Shannon. <laughs> Again, two <laughs> weeks in a row. Because I said it with confidence. Well, you're gravely mistaken, Helen. It was 103 first grade games. He scored five tries uh, for 20 points with the Rabbitohs. It's actually part of 152 grade games with the club, so he did play a little bit of lower grades, but um, the Dubbo boy did good for the Rabbitohs, 103 first-grade games. Yeah, he did, and, and as I as I said in one of the podcasts before, Les came down as just this wiry young guy, tall guy, and mm. he was never massive, Les, you know, as, mm. as we discussed, so... Yeah, you know, he he came through through the grades, through the, the third grade, then second grade, and then um, 
hit the scene in first grade. He didn't play many second grade games mm. after that. Yeah, mm. and obviously yeah. I had the pleasure of interviewing him uh, out at Dubbo in, in one of the corporate rooms and I was talking to him about his highlights at the Rabbitohs and going on and playing for New South Wales and Australia. I played with Les actually myself at the at the Sharks, but, you know, the highlights are going on and playing with New South Wales and Australia and all, you know, these great experiences. And I was asking him over the years, I said, Les, who's the out of everyone, who's the best player you've played with and why was I? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that was the last question I got to ask him. <laughs> but thanks for making the effort to come out. Uh, very good. Yeah, it was good to see uh, Dave out there. And as we said, Peach and uh, Kyle Turner and Terry Fahey was there. There were a whole heap of ex-players out there, so it was good to see them all now. I've come up with a very special trivia question for this week. Uh, with us playing Parramatta. Now, back in 1989, the South Sydney Rabbitohs took on the Parramatta Eels out at uh, at Parramatta Stadium, and then this happened. Sterling, switch of play. Finds Erickson with a great pass. On the inside, all the way. Great defence from Ellison. <laughs> Now, if anyone wants to look that up on YouTube, I think it's actually Mavo's YouTube channel. It's Botany09, and he's got a whole heap of old games on there. It's back from 89 uh, when the Rabbitohs played at Parramatta Stadium. Ello resembled something more like The Rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin, a big crossbody shot on Michael Erickson as he's made a, a break. Ello playing at fullback. An unusual position for him. I, I haven't he was, seen... He was playing, to be fair, he was playing lock, but he was just bludging <laughs> back, back there. <laughs> well, it resembled something like, you know, the famous footage of Harrigan and, and Carroll coming together and bodies flying in the two different directions. That's what it resembled. It was absolutely phenomenal. We've watched it quite a few times when Ello's come into my office and said, let's get that on YouTube. Show me that on YouTube. <laughs> Talking about LA's big hits, maybe you've had too yeah. many hits. <laughs> anyway, I'd have got 12 weeks in the, today's game for a <laughs> You would have. The, uh, no, I don't the, think I would have actually. I don't think I made No, I think you got, it, you got him below the head. Yeah. You, you knocked him around. LA was more likely to throw his handbag at him, turn it up. LA <laughs> doing big hits. Anyway, keeping in mind LA was playing fullback, the question I ask you is what number jersey was LA wearing that day? Not usually a fullback, and we remember that back in the day, jerseys were numbered one to thirteen, and then in reserve grade, the fullback would be fourteen, and it'd go down to twenty-six, and then in the under presence cup or whatever, they'd be the next lot of numbers. So the guys on the bench would have ridiculous numbers, number eighty-two or something, yeah, right. on their back. So you have to think about what number he might have uh, seen. If you look it up on YouTube, it's quite clear because Ello's the man standing and Ericsson's the one that's half buried in the turf <laughs> at, at Parramatta Stadium. But it's one of the great hits. So look that up on YouTube and you'll get the answer to uh, the the trivia Jeez, question for next week. LA, it's not one of the great Ello hits. It's the Great hit. It's the only. It's the only. I'd have had a few more if I was playing against you. Uh, he's, like he's like Millie Vanilli. He's had one hit. I'm, I'm actually going to... That should be his nickname, Millie Vanilli. I'm, I'm going to apply for it to become one of those non-fungible video <laughs> cards that you collect. It's great footage. I love it. Listen, anyway. Can we get a bit of footage up here next week before, yeah. before we go? Yeah, right. There he is asking to watch it again. Uh, yes. <laughs> I want to see what number I had on, Jess. <laughs> if it's a reserve grade number, like a 42 uh, or something, I thought it was the size of the jersey. <laughs> uh, very good. We'll be back. Oh, 
Now, if you're looking for your next epic holiday, maybe a long weekend with your mates, or you want to get to the next game, we've said it before, it's time to What If It. What If has great deals on accommodation, flights, car hire, and more. Plus, they're the official travel partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. So if you head to whatif.com slash rabbitohs and use the promo code rabbitohs15, you can save 15% on select hotels. So conditions apply with that, but there was uh, almost 11,000 people in, in Dubbo on the weekend, and I'm sure a lot of the South um, members and supporters that travelled out there from Sydney and other areas would have jumped on What If to secure their flights and accommodation. I'm sure they did, Jez, as did I. They got the 15% discount in Dubbo, and I'll be using that discount as well for our game up in Brisbane in about a month or so. Fantastic, the guys from um, What If, in terms of looking after our members with those great discounts and looking after our pathway sides. In fact, our pathway side, our... New South Wales Cup side flew out there on a charter plane to be mm. out there for, for the game and they're sponsored by What If and it's that kind of sponsorship that allows us to look after our mm. um, Pathways players so well. So mm. we think What If are looking after not only our members in terms of great prices and discounts and convenient ways to book your travel but also we think What If and Daniel Finch and the great team there for their support of our Pathways teams. Probably a good time just to mention how you know, our, our What If sponsored teams are going that like the Penrith are undefeated in both grades on the mm. weekend. Second grade lost on the bill with a penalty penalty goal. But our our Jersey Fleet team under twenty ones, uh, with the inclusion of some of our SG ball players, are mm. just going through the roof. I yeah, mean, they won by thirty they, points. They, yeah, they they just bashed Penrith out they of the did. game, and they and they just there's some great skill coming through. There's mm. some players that we've. We've acknowledged with internally that we think are going to go on and be you know, have a, a long career at the Rabbitohs. And, uh, you know, we think, what if they're helping us out to bring those guys through? Indeed, indeed. I I remember our under-20 under, under squad, under-21 squad winning in 2019 out there at Bankwest Stadium and mm. the, the Jersey Fleet side it was. And um, being with Daniel Finch in that, from what if, in the dressing room after the game and he said it was one of the best experiences he's had and sounds like he's a good chance of uh, experiencing that again this year with this year's Jersey Fleet side. Yeah, yeah we, we've got, you know, Lockie Ellis is, is playing half back there. We've got David Mulally's leading, leading the pack four. We've got some, you know, not just not just naming them. We got some young kids like Talis Duncan's just come in from the SG Ball. Uh, Josiah Carapani, yeah. he's, he's come in. He's going to be a development player for us next year. Mm. Uh, Peter Mamazoulis, mm. he's there with us as well. And just yeah, you know, I've, I've probably missed one or two there, but you know they're they're really putting it together well, and it's mm. um, the enthusiasm and, and they're playing they're playing for the jersey, yeah. which is what I love. And we even got a smile out of their coach Joe O'Callaghan after the game. Oh, did we? Yeah, I took the photo. Remember, oh, and th- sent it yeah, around on WhatsApp. I think it was for win. prosperity. I think it was win. <laughs> <laughs> It was funny, I went up to him and I said, I've been asked to get a photo of you smiling and he didn't show me any teeth. Gave me a half grin and I took the photo and he's gone, now who asked for that? <laughs> yeah, funny, I, I, I was in the dressing room, uh, sorry, not the dressing room, in in close quarters to the uh, Joe during the game, the Jersey Fleet game at Redfern, uh, the Iron Mark High Performance Centre at Redfern recently and Joe was up there coaching coaching from there and uh, he's very very intense isn't he one stage he was kicking chairs and he was screaming abuse and that was just at me so it was he's asked you to sit down because he couldn't see <laughs> 
I knew I shouldn't have ate his pie. I just said, Joe, sorry, mate. I thought it was mine. Oh, very good. Very good. So jump on whatif.com slash rabbitos. Use that promo code rabbitos15. What if? It's Aussie for travel. It's time for Shannon's Joke of the Week. Do the kids need to cover their ears for this one, mate? Probably, actually, probably. <laughs> so I encourage you, if you're in the car and you got it on and the kids are in the back seat, block the kids' ears or just stop the... Uh, stop yeah, the press v- pause. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, speaking of pause, it involves a dog. Um, <laughs> great segue, Jess. That's great. Very good. Very good. Uh, no, it just reminds me of the time. I was just uh, at Redfern, uh, Redfern Park, actually, just outside the Oval, and... Um, I just saw these two winos sitting on a park bench and sharing a bottle of something and, you know, they're just sitting there not talking much to each other and I was just watching a little bit intrigued and then this little mangy flea-bitten dog just sits down right in front of them, cocks its leg, starts licking itself, licking its <laughs> genitalia and licking itself all over. Oh dear. Two winos just sitting there <laughs> watching this perplexed. Another one leans into the other one. I was trying to hear what he said. He said, that looks like fun. <laughs> I, I wish I could do that. And the other one said, you could, but he'd probably bite you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> very good, very uh, the good. The things you see at Redfern. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Hello, we'll be back to you uh, f- next week for the joke of the week. So we look forward to that. Well, thanks again for listening, everyone. Make sure you send in your topic suggestions to us on Twitter or at rabbitos.com.au slash podcast. Write us a review or give us a five-star rating if you can and make sure you subscribe or follow us on those podcast apps wherever you are getting your podcasts and listening to us today. And don't forget to tune into our other podcasts podcasts on the Rabbitohs Podcast Network, particularly the Rabbitohs Radio Boys. They're doing a, a great job. They actually um, interviewed Luke Carroll um, this week when we couldn't interview him last week. <laughs> he, he's dead to me, Jez. Chica, if you're listening, you're dead to me. You're supposed to be in with us and you uh, join the other guys. But fortunately, they're all part of the same podcast network. And as long as you continue to do your work exclusively with the Rabbitohs, we'll be fine. Yeah, that's right. Yes, he'll be our uh, on-field grand announcer this week. Let's hope he does as good a job as the bloke that normally does it. So Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, you've, been, you've been sacked, have you? I'm moving upstairs into the, uh, the Level 5 studio, so I'll just be a voice, so I won't be out on the field this week. Oh, is that right? Um, so I'll I'll be uh, announcing scores and reading all the Shannon's ads um, for three grades of footy, <laughs> and Luke will be down there uh, running the show down on the field. Being in, in being Indigenous round, we felt it was appropriate that um, he got down there and and helped represent um, the Indigenous and Torres Strait Islander people this week. And yeah, he's, he's a he passionate Rabbitohs through and through his whole life, Chica, and. Um, Loves the Rabbitohs. He's proud of his Indigenous culture, and I can't think of a better guy to be our ground announcer. And I can't think of a better guy to replace Jez. In fact, I can think of six other billion better guys to replace Jez. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll do with Chica this week. Eh? I was going to yeah. say it's a, it's a really tough gig down there, and uh, with everything you do, I hope he gets a chance to rehearse. Yes, <laughs> uh, somewhere before he does the Rabbitohs. Before he uh, does I the, think, I think the main one, event of the Rabbitohs. One thing I know, he'll be a lot precious than the usual talent down there. You know, he, he, he won't. He won't have all these big riders on it, you know, two cans of coke. It has to be 
sugar-free and, <laughs> oh, next right, silence, yes. please. And he's yeah. doing the vocal testing before here. And it's la, just, la, 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 it's la, obscene. La. It is absolutely obscene. Jez, Jez, we need to have a yarn to you too, mate. Uh, I, I think you have a misconception that you think it's only for Indigenous round. But that's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We just want to let you do it slowly, mate. Right. We'll yeah, that's okay. We'll Very good. Very good. So jump on to uh, Rabbitohs Radio. Listen to Chaps and Mavo and Brownie as they take you through the round of footy. They talk about NRL news. They've got their Remembering a Rabbitohs segment. It's a great show. Well worth a listen. We've got our weekly uh, player and coach interviews that go on there and also the audio version of the Rabbitohs. Insider, and thank you again for joining us, gents. Episode 15 next week. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to next week with Hello reading the ad reads and the intros, and that's going to that's be fantastic. <laughs> will, I, will I give him the roadcaster? Will I give him the steering wheel? He, he can't turn on his phone. What chance he got to using the roadcaster? God help us. You might have to zoom in next week because I won't be in town next week. What? I've got a few little things I have to do. Oh, so, on but, the bye week. Yeah, uh, have they so. got Zoom at uh, South Coogee Bowling Club? <laughs> <laughs> Does the Wi-Fi worker in the TAB section over there? He's going to do a Matt Damon. <laughs> did you see the Matt Damon I did, did, yes. did an interview with the Today Show in the US from a tab up at uh, Byron oh, Bay? Copy <laughs> yellow again. We're, we're leaders again in the field. <laughs> Well, we'll organise that. We'll get the Zoom uh, sorted out. Zoom can do anything. Another proud sponsor of the the mighty Rabbitohs. We'll be back next week in some way, shape or form for the Rabbitohs Top 4 podcast, powered by Audio Technica and, as usual, proudly presented by What If. We will see you then. Thanks for listening to the Rabbitohs Top 4 podcast. Powered by Audio Technica and proudly presented by What If, official travel and pathways partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Support the club and visit whatif.com forward slash Rabbitohs to book your next trip. Don't forget to use the code Rabbitohs15 to get 15% off select hotels. Conditions apply. What If, it's Aussie for travel. Please leave us a five-star rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Up the rabbit eyes.